Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Unscrewed. The show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I am your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and this week we are going to get into something that kind of blew up anew last December. Some of you may have followed along when Tumblr decided that it didn't want porn on its site anymore. Uh, and some of you might have missed it entirely in the holiday hullabaloo. I was sort of in between where I was watching it happening, but too much up in end of season hullabaloo to do a show on it. Um, but here we are now and the dust has settled maybe a little, uh, but there's an enormous amount of talk about because it's not just Tumblr that's cracking down on adult sexual content online. It's Facebook. It's lots of other places. Uh, and so I have two, because it's such a big conversation, I have two amazing guests here to help muddle through this conversation. The first is Elle Chase, the proprietor, until recently, of Lady <laughs> Ch the Lady Cheeky Tumblr, which was one of the most popular tumblers for women who like sexy shit on <laughs> on Tumblr until Tumblr really screwed her over. You'll also recognize Elle because she was on the show previously talking about her amazing book, Curvy Girl Sex. Elle, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And also joining us is Kate Dadamo, who is a longtime sex worker advocate and works with Reframe Health and Justice. Kate, welcome to Unscrewed. Hi, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So women, there is so much to talk about. But first, I have to put you through our little unscrewed lightning round of questions. So the first question I'm going to ask you is, what's been making you happy this week? This is Elle. <laughs> My dog has been making me happy this week. Hallerman. Yeah, Hallerman. Hallerman's been making me happy this week. What else do you need, really? No, you don't need more than, than unconditional love from a little furry creature. <laughs> Kate, how about you? This week, you know, I just went up and I saw some friends that I haven't seen in a very long time and got to hang out with my best friend and her two amazing, adorable boys. Like, four-year-old kids are hilarious. <laughs> when they're not being sociopaths, they're totally hilarious. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so I got to hang out. I got to hang out with a four-year-old. How great is that? That's pretty great. All right. Uh, next question. What's the best sex advice you ever received? For me, this is L. For me, it is to remember to breathe. I, it sounds a little obvious, but if you are more than aware of your breath, uh, especially when you're coming, it centers you. It helps your orgasm, I believe, because we often forget that when we're coming, we sort of hold our breath. I do so kind of. I'm like thinking about this now. 
that's the best advice I've ever gotten. That's great advice. Kate, what do you got? This is Kate. And I think the best advice is that you're not good at sex. You're good at being able to read the person that you're with and be able to pick up on those cues. Like there's no class you're ever going to take and there's no book you're ever going to read unless you're really attuned and communicative in all the ways that people communicate um, to the person that you're with. And maybe that's just you. And maybe that's like eight other people. And just being aware of those dynamics is the most important skill set that anyone can develop. Yes, I love it. And also serves you well out of the, both of those pieces of advice are also good for out of the sack. Yep. Right. <laughs> and drink a lot of water. People are not hydrated enough. Yes. Yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. What has been making you maddest or saddest about the sexual culture lately? Oh, gosh. This is L. For me, it is the Tumblr ban on adult content. And what that says as a society, I'm sure we'll get into it more lately, but that's really, really made me sad because I feel like we're going backwards and not forwards. Mm. Uh, Yeah. This is Kate. I think kind of tied into that. I think one of the things that makes me sad is that it's always starting under like this idea of freedom and this and that and personal autonomy and choice. And yet all of the ways that we go about it are still very much in this like criminal, legal, contract, law, punishment, mentality, like finite understandings of things in the world that just aren't realistic when we're talking about the nuances of people and relationships and sexuality and all of those different dynamics and that we keep reverting to these systems that work for, especially for privileged folks um, for whom those systems were built, that we very often play out those dynamics in those systems even in spaces where we want to be much more forward thinking and that they, they have ingrained themselves so much as the default that, you know, it takes a lot of unlearning, like they're not written into our DNA, but they still are showing up and manifesting very palpably, even in spaces where you're like, huh, I thought, you know, you'd let me define my own experience around that, even, even though it's complicated. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What is a myth about sex that you once believed, but don't believe anymore? This is Elle. I'll tell you, uh, when I when I got married, I didn't realize that you leaked cum. I'm, you know, I'm a straight. <laughs> and I would watch, you know, Knots Landing or soap operas or whatever. People would have sex and they'd get up and walk around and put on their clothes. And when I got married or when I had, you know, sex without a condom, I was like, wait a minute. Why aren't there any towels on these shows? Why is anyone talking about wetness on the bed? Like, I don't, wait, my mind is blown. And uh, I just, I was a little embarrassed to ask anybody. And I asked like my, my one married friend and she was kind of like, um, yeah. Then I was like in my thirties. I mean, that is so real. And I don't think anyone has ever said that on my show before. (laughs) And a lot of smart people have answered this question. That is the realest. And you've ruined so many pairs of underwear not knowing. Yes! Yes. And you're yes. like, this is cool. I guess this is just what people do. It's cool. Yeah. Like Yeah, I I can roll with it. Like, you know, I'm if just... other people do it, I can roll with it. And finally I was like, fuck that. I'm getting a goddamn towel. Yes. This is Kate. I think I think the greatest myth was that sex is for orgasm focused pleasure. 
you know, I think growing up, <laughs> if you're queer, you learn real quick that like it's not about procreation or love. And but having to divorce it from like the goal is the orgasm or the goal is just physical pleasure that manifests in a certain way. Like sex is so multifaceted and it's a tool for so many things to reach so many different ends. And and all of those things are wonderful and OK, as long as you're getting your needs met. Yay. Yes, absolutely. All right. Last question in the lightning round is who's one of the bravest people that you admire who's working to unscrew the sexual culture? Give somebody a shout out. God, the first person that came to my mind, this is Elle, um, and he's dead. It's just David Bowie. Aww. I think he was one of the first people that gave a new definition of masculinity, a new definition of queerness, a new definition of femininity. And he did it unapologetically. And I, and I really connected to that as a kid and still connect to him. I think it's just as timeless now watching his bravado and his genius and his compassion. So this is Kate. And I, so I'm actually going to shout out a book that I'm really excited about right now. Mm. Um, Because I'm not through, I'm like almost done and I don't know my favorite essay, but the book that is like, making me think so much right now it's called the color of kink and it's about dynamics of race and kink and especially like power related play and there's so many brilliant essays and so i think the people that are doing really interesting work in that space are just fucking with my head on so many levels amazing i actually have not heard of that book and i feel like i need to go get it right now the color of kink i'm really loving it awesome thank you you guys made it through the lightning round in style so now we get into it. Let's start with you, Elle. How did you find out that Tumblr was banning your entire site, which is also your career, more or less? I got a call in the morning, early in the morning, from a friend of mine who was talking about something else and then said, oh, I'm really sorry about Lady Cheeky. And I went, what? Oh, my God. Your stomach must have fallen out of your feet. I, I, my heart started beating really fast. I said, what do you mean? And he told me that, you know, he told me what happened with Tumblr, that they were, had just announced that they weren't going to allow uh, adult content on their site anymore. And I got to say, I was, I was shocked, but not surprised. I sort of had been waiting for a day like this for a while. I've had the uh, site for eight years And it means a lot to me. It is a huge part of my sexuality, is a huge part of how I express myself. And I was just devastated. I called my best friend, like, crying and hyperventilating. It really was like the end of an era for me. There's no other social media platform like Tumblr where you can express yourself that way. And so I just felt inert and stagnant, not able to get out of the quicksand that I was in. And was it already down when you found out? Because it seemed like it happened like instantaneously. No, they only gave us two weeks. They give you Uh, two weeks. They give us two weeks. With my site in particular, they started banning um, or censoring some of my posts already. And I just sort of gave up and thought about, okay, how am I going to deal with this? And how am I going to move it on or not move it on? Maybe it'll just go away and that'll be it. Or is there something else I can do with it? And? Uh, I haven't found anything yet. Actually, I just, wrote a, I just wrote a piece for Cosmo and it's coming out soon. I don't know when, but it, it talks about the new venues that are popping up and 
people are going to Reddit. They're, you know, oh, NS- God. I just think that's such a bad idea. <laughs> Reddit is the worst. First of all, it's made for conversations and not for visuals. Right. It can be steered in so many different directions because it can be manipulated. And it's um, swarmed by horrible misogynists. Yes. And even if you got into a thread that wasn't, it's still, in a perfect world, it's still not a great way to find out and explore what you like. There is something called New Tumble, and I have the most hope for them. Right now, it looks just like Tumblr. They want to make it like Tumblr, but improve upon it. And so I'm sort of watching that closely to see how that will happen. So, and this is a question maybe for both of you. Did Tumblr say specifically that they made this change because of Sesta Fosta? No. What did they say about why they're doing this? They said they were doing it because they wanted to make it, ironically, a platform where everybody can feel comfortable. But this seems like such horseshit because surely there's like an ability to like tag content as adults so that if somebody doesn't want... They already did that. It's already age gated, right? It's already, well, you have to tag your site or your blog as adult content so that people don't come into contact with your content arbitrarily. Accidentally. Yeah. You have to want to see adult content. But the reason they really did it, if we're going to be completely honest, the reason they really did it is because Apple took their app off their store, off their site. And it was over child pornography and that they didn't have proper child pornography filters. So a lot of complaints came in about that. And that is a valid, um, that's an extremely valid reason not to have their app in their app store. My problem with them is you don't, no pun intended, throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think it's just the reason they were looking for to get rid of adult content. They're owned by Verizon, which owns Yahoo. And um, I'm sure they've been looking for a reason to get rid of adult content. And this was one of the reasons. So instead of coming up with better filters, which actually could help everyone in the industry. um, Well, and also, which I always say this shit when people are like, well, it's really hard to do nuanced filtering. I'm like, Silicon Valley has invented a self-driving car, right? Like, if they were actually interested in doing this, they could fucking do it. Well, also, you know, how about having, I don't know, a department of humans that go through it? And it's not like they can't afford it. I mean, that is the first step in it. And then you, of course, get the humans that are you know, sex negative and don't like porn. Well, I mean, part of the Department of Human Solution also is like, do you want to have to pay humans to look at child pornography? It's a terrible job, that job. It's a terrible job, but it is a it is a job. And it's searching for, I mean, on my site, I never put anyone up that even smacked of being 18 or younger. Kate, is this just like respectability politics that like big corporations just don't want to touch adult content? Or is there something else going on here? I think you're touching on something. I think it's respectability politics, but as an excuse and really in service to capitalism and the bottom line. And the fact that if we went beyond respectability politics, if we cared about the problem and not the appearance of the problem, that'd be really expensive. Elle, I love that you connected it to kind of the other pieces and the other companies that are dealing with this is, you know, there's so much about oversight happening in the conversation right now around tech. We talk about, you know, the passage of SESTA-FOSTA, and that wouldn't have happened without the Russia stuff. 
when we talk about this, you know, we are still talking about Facebook and about content moderation and how do you do that? And Congress wants to say, how do you do that in a way that looks good to my voters? And Silicon Valley wants to say, how do I do that in a way that looks good to the bottom line? And so that means that, you know, instead of being really thoughtful about what content moderation looks like, and, and when we talk about that, you know, we're, we are talking about child pornography. Also, we should be talking about the host of things that happen online, like harassment, like doxing, like people going after and really targeting individuals with oh, abuse. For sure. And I think that's what a lot of this is coming to is it's just much easier to pull down anything that's adult related so you don't have to look at it like oh we saw a nipple blink and yeah. it and the website's gone that's so much easier and it's so much cheaper and it looks good for all the people in power being like well you didn't really like porn anyway and so you know we've gotten rid of porn and therefore we've gotten rid of child porn and so we've done what we've needed to do and we don't actually care about who gets caught in the crosshairs because what we're seeing is People with power who are facilitating these things aren't actually dealing with issues. They are simply re-criminalizing and re-marginalizing the people who are already on the chopping block. Right. And we we are the sunk costs or, or the invisible costs. Just sort of like getting cheap, cheaply made mass produced goods. Like you don't wind up paying the cost directly for, you know, whether the water's being polluted to produce them or, or that sort of stuff. But we, we all wind up the, the most marginal and vulnerable people wind up paying those costs indirectly. And it seems Absolutely. like the exact same sort of thing is happening here. Yeah. Silicon Valley is invested in their technology, not in their users. Right. Yes. Have you ever tried to contact Instagram oh or... My God. They make no no ifs, ands, or buts about how much they don't care. You know, I posted a picture, an erotic picture of a man that was going around on Instagram, and all you saw was the top part of his pubic hair. Instantly, it was it was banned, and I got a warning. You just saw a couple of pubes? You saw some pubes! Oh no, it's hair! I know, oh my god, oh my god! He was sitting with his legs crossed. He wasn't engaging in anything. That wouldn't be bad at all. But I mean, for them, the pubes. Did I am. Um, I, I can tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> so right. my pal Saraya Shamali, who I've been working with for a long time to deal with Facebook around their content moderation and policing of women's bodies as well as refusing to police hate speech against women and all that stuff um she once came across a case where someone had posted a diagram of a that included a cervix i don't remember if it was a photo of a cervix or if it was a draw it might have been a photo of a cervix it doesn't matter and the facebook moderationers took it down and said like this violates our ban on genitals and like soraya had to literally explain to them that internal organs aren't genitals like that the cervix is not outside the body it's not a genital and like literally had to explain that to them yeah this is why we're bad at sex this is why we're bad at sex this is because you can't get the fucking information out there and because these bands you know we haven't talked about this yet although i think that we've probably talked about it on unscrewed before but like any kind of ban on adult content especially when they're not incredibly carefully crafted, is going to wind up banning sex ed and LGBT rights work and like a bunch of stuff that's really crucial, but touches on sexuality. Yeah. And this is Kate, you know, I've had the opposite side of this conversation where I have reported two platforms, like right now, your platform is being used in an, in 
a trafficker harassing a trafficking victim. And I got no response. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I just like, they really don't fucking care. No. And I've reported death threats on OkCupid. Like, and, and again, no response. None of those accounts were not banned. Like I've reported harassment to every mechanism on different platforms and been completely unable to reach a person. And in almost every case, never gotten, uh, never gotten any response whatsoever. 
just because you like loving, tender, slow, tantric sex doesn't mean you don't want to have someone come in your face sometimes. You know what I mean? So it was very liberating. And I think the other people that found it also found it liberating. And I did absolutely no outreach. And I got all those followers. And my followers were 60% women, 40% men, which I also find fascinating. It's interesting, yeah. People found themselves in the pictures, saw queer sex and saw women with larger bodies in sort of a desirous, passion-filled, female pleasure-focused way. And there isn't a whole hell of a lot of that out there. There's only a few. Did you also do sex ed? You said people were writing in with sex ed questions. Yeah, it's the reason I became a sex educator. People were writing in sex ed questions and safe sex questions. And I was like, I'm run a fucking porn site. Like, <laughs> but this was the only outlet they felt comfortable doing it. So I would research it and give them answers. And I found a passion to inform. And I, you know, started studying and went to SFISI and got certified. And, and now it's my career, um, my vocation, my passion. So yeah, so Lady Cheeky really changed my life in many different ways. And I think a lot of other people's. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Kate, where have you seen like acts, the issue of access to adult content matter? So I work around and do advocacy around folks in the sex trade. And so I think that is part and parcel to this conversation um, is talking about how there's adult content on Tumblr, there's ads on Backpage, there's ads on every dating site. Um, and so in those places, it's not just even the ones that are more either sex positive or, or consider themselves uh, leading that direction, there is absolutely a hard line that they very often draw, whether or not it's about respectability politics or about liability and litigation, but really specifically around compensated sex. Whether it's the FBI seizing back page or it's a dating site kicking off profiles where someone is either explicit about this being um, a situation for money or where you know, on certain websites where you just kind of accuse someone and they get their profile shut down. That's primarily where I've seen a lot of banning and a lot of censorship of that kind of content, which I think is definitely part of this conversation. You know, it's easier to just push that stuff into the shadows and it's easier to isolate those folks and to say like, we've dealt with, we've dealt with the people that you don't like and we've done it on mass and sure, maybe we got some extras in there. But, you know, we did everything that we're supposed to. And now we're a good, wholesome site where you can send your children, even though your children are probably looking at porn. And Sesta Fawcett, like, literally was the same rationale as Tumblr, more or less, in the sense that it was like, mm-hmm. this actual harmful criminal action is occasionally taking place here. So let's shut the whole fucking thing down instead of figuring out how to address what's actually harming. Exactly. And even beyond that, like... A, why do we problematize sexuality? Why do we criminalize commercial sex? Oh, I was talking about the trafficking. Sorry, I should be specific. Like, the the, back page has been used for trafficking. was the pretext for shutting all of it down. Sure. And I mean, in the same way that, like, your dealer takes the subway. Like, we don't shut the subway down. (laughs) Human activities take the mechanisms that we use to engage in human activities. That's just the way that, that it goes. And so instead of actually dealing with what we do consider a problem. And if you're focused on, if you say, you know, there's just too much trafficking in the sex trade, focus on the trafficking, focus on harm, focus on violence. Don't just focus on the medium in in which that occurs because it's just not something you want to understand or think about, or 
you don't want to humanize the collateral damages of your actions. And that's what I think a lot of this is, is it's just easier to say, I've dealt with it and I don't want to look at it and I don't want to understand because I don't want to think about the ways that my behaviors contribute to violence and marginalization, which undergirds so much of this conversation. Yes, 100%. Yes. It's been like a year-ish since Esther and Foster were passed. What have you seen since you, you're a sex worker advocate, like in the sex worker community? What has been the fallout so far? Um, unfortunately, the fallout was everything that sex workers said was going to happen. Um, a lot of platforms shut down completely. One thing that happens a lot in conversation is that people think that Backpage went down because of SESTA and FOSTA. It didn't. The Department of Justice seized Backpage the day before SESTA and FOSTA was signed into law and didn't charge anyone with trafficking. They charged every person with money laundering, basically. Really? I didn't know any of that. There's a lot of conversations about trafficking, but there haven't been any direct prosecutions or even charging of any individuals as being part of trafficking. They said that because you made your money through the promotion of prostitution, that is money laundering because you made money through a criminal enterprise. So no trafficking was interrupted by the passage of SESTA and FOSTA? No, because that's not why trafficking happens. And there are different ways. Even if you are trafficking someone into the sex industry, what happened was those platforms closed and everyone still had to pay their bills and everyone still was participating in the sex industry just in different ways for the most part. And so a lot of people moved into street-based work in a bunch of cities across the country. They reported that there were three to time, three to five times more people on the stroll than they were seeing before the closure. And so people have been feeling pressure to do things that they didn't want to do before, that they didn't feel pressure to do before because all of a sudden they have to really fight. And so a lot of people's prices went down. That happened across the country where all of a sudden you were seeing more clients for less money, which means that you're seeing uh, your risk of everything from violence to STI transmission all go through the roof when you're seeing that many more people. A lot of people stopped screening so they could see more clients. A lot of people um, started offering services that they didn't want to offer or hadn't offered uh, before in every single venue. And then the topper on everything is that People saw that vulnerability. It was very clear what was happening. And so not just clients, every blacklisted client felt like they came out of the woodwork and started contacting people again because they knew they were going to be desperate for money. And a lot of third parties, and I don't, you know, not every, not every manager is a trafficker. Not every third party is exploitative. But when you have to rely on someone else for your income, that's a vulnerability. And so there are a lot of people that texted and called and said, the people that used to work for them and said, you know, you need me now. And because how else are you going to find clients? And unfortunately, in a lot of circumstances, they were right. So we saw a lot of people going back to management situations that were unhealthy, domestic violence situations that felt safer. And, you know, some people have been able to kind of find their footing again. New websites have popped up, but that mentality that like this website could go down tomorrow, that hasn't gone away. And a lot of people have not found their footing again. This happened right at the end of the month. And so a lot of people couldn't make rent. We saw homelessness increase, housing instability increase. And a lot of people have spent months just trying to make a fraction of what they used to make. Oh, so. Oh, sorry. Go Uh, ahead. Yeah. No, I just wanted to also make clear to your audience that most of the people that are affected, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kate, are women and women of color. And 
I don't think that that's an accident necessarily. I think that it is also part of the quote unquote war on women where we are driven to less safe options to make our money and to provide for our families. And I think that that is also a really... It's, it, it's maddening to me that this is still happening like this. Am I wrong, Kate? Is that a correct? No, you're totally right. If you're talking about who was most impacted across the board, when you're talking about the, the people that were most reliant on Backpage, you're talking about a place that was nationally available. So if you were traveling or if you were running away from a situation that wasn't great, you knew it was there in every single city. You were talking about people who did could not pay for a month-long ad at several hundred dollars mm-hmm. um, and put that on a credit card. And so ultimately, you're talking about people who are the most marginalized in the sex industry, people who are moving from street-based work, people who are escaping violent and traumatic situations. And especially when you're talking about the market, you know, I hear from law enforcement or from service providers who hear from law enforcement like, oh, we can do a John Sting on this brand new page. And that means that everything's fine. And so what sex workers are saying about not being able to make money is a lie. And you know what? When you go on and you advertise a conventionally attractive 20-year-old from a stock photo who is fluent in English, who is an able-bodied person, who is cisgender, who doesn't experience marginalization at, at you know high rates, of course you can put uh, an ad on there charging under market rates mm. and find a bunch of clients. A lot of that language just comes from not understanding what the hell is going on and definitely from not understanding that when we're talking about exploitation and violence, we're talking about exploiting vulnerability and the need for money is the reason why people are exploited in different financial sectors. And that is true if you're talking about the sex industry or about folks who are undocumented and can't get formal jobs, people who don't, who have uh, some kind of disability and don't have access to stable income in the same way. Every time you increase vulnerability for a population, you increase the rates of exploitation and trafficking. And so the fact that a lot of this stuff is talked about in terms of anti-violence or anti-trafficking work, it is an insult and it is the primary indicator that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And they're not interested in learning. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, short of the overthrow of capitalism, which is not going to happen (laughs) this year, probably... What are you doing, Al, to move forward? And like, what can we on this call and, and all the listeners, like, is there a plan? <laughs> is there a way that we can help make a plan? Are people doing things helpful that we can plug into? I usually am like, what should we all do to make this better? But this feels so intractable that I'm not sure if there's an answer, but enlighten well, me. The problem yeah. is, is that it's not an important enough issue for any politician to get behind to change any sort of laws. That's why it was so devastating. One of the reasons why it was so devastating for Sesta Fasta to get signed into law, because once it's signed, it's very, very hard to undo or get rewritten. So I think the best way in my line of work, which is promoting porn, I guess, for people that want to watch it, want to see it, is um, making sort of a, uh, at least I do in my Cosmo article, as I talk about you know, please, there are smart people in Silicon Valley. And if if nothing else, you can make a shit ton of money if you come up with something like Tumblr for people to share pictures and uh, have it be like a social media site so people can find communities. I don't think we're going to be able to get anywhere with that until Silicon Valley decides they can make a lot of money at it. 
Kate. <laughs> I think if you're going to learn, there's a lot to be learned from what happened. People who trade sex are experts on what happens when you harm the sex industry, when you isolate people. Sex workers are the experts on the sex industry. And you can't actually care about violence against women and you can't actually care about sexual freedom if you do not center the people who are most disproportionately harmed by those attacks. Yes. And so, yeah, I'm just saying if you're in spaces that care about social justice, how are those spaces responding to this issue? How are those spaces listening to folks, especially trans folks, especially women of color, especially system involved folks? What does that look like in those spaces? And if there's no one who trades sex in that space, ask yourselves why. Like, maybe there are and they don't feel comfortable disclosing. Maybe your space is actually just really not welcoming to that community and challenge the spaces that you're in to become responsive to those issues. And the other thing, you know, while we do have capitalism, pay for your porn and tip your dancers. I feel frustrated sometimes that, you know, I've been doing sex worker advocacy for like a decade at this point, and I feel like I always talk about STIs and trafficking and anti-violence. The amazing thing and the thing that gets me so excited about the sex industry is that for a lot of people, it is the most direct and effective, honestly, form of economic justice to funnel money from people with capital and resources to people who are marginalized out of the formal economy. You're talking about women, you're talking about mothers, you're talking about trans femmes, you're talking about people who, uh, for whatever reason, like formal employment with dental and where you're not gonna get busted, like those aren't options. And so paid sexual labor means redistributing wealth. And that, like while we have capitalism, we can definitely even this shit out so totally pay for your porn. Look at who's making that money. Look at who is behind the camera just as much as you look at who's in front of the camera, because I know you're looking at that. And be really thoughtful. Be an ethical sexual consumer. So that is that is my rant, and that is my, like, beg for people. I'm, like, giving you a silent standing ovation here just to not interrupt you with bad audio. Like, yes. Can I add one thing to that? I really feel like if those of us who can risk it, who like won't face consequences and are less marginalized can stand up and be like, I fuck and I watch porn and I vote. If we can become sex voters and like let our politicians know that we care about the sexual culture just the way we care about the environment and paid parental leave and all the other issues that we're calling and yelling about and like stopping the fucking wall that we care about sexual freedom that it's an issue we vote on i think that if we could get a movement of people doing that it could be transformative it can be done australia has it they have the sex party and um it works for their government it's a huge party of people who not only um are sex positive and, and want that to be sort of represented in every way in their government. But it is people that want um, social reform that goes along with their beliefs. So it can certainly happen. It just takes a lot of organization and somebody who wants to take on that mantle. Yes. And I love the idea that it's called a sex party. Maybe yeah. we should get sex parties into our politics and then get like voter guides at our sex party. Yes. 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 Yep. Yep. That is the end of the episode, my Trump. <laughs> All right, each of you, I'd love to hear more about where people can connect with your ongoing work and, and follow you online and what you've got coming up and all that good stuff. 
I am the L Chase on social media, E L L E Chase, and I'm at lchase.com. Um, and I am uh, at Twitter at Kate Diadamo, D A D A M O, and you can find me and totally get in touch with me on reframehealthandjustice.com. Yes. And I am, as always, Jacqueline Friedman. You can find me on Twitter at Jacqueline F, J-A-C-L-Y-N-F, and on Instagram at Jacqueline Fable. On my website at JacquelineFriedman.com. Friedman is F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. You can find Unscrewed, this excellent podcast, wherever you like to get your podcasts. And when you're there, if you want to make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss another episode. And also give us five stars and a little review, and it helps other people find the show. Unscrewed is produced by yours truly, Jacqueline Friedman, and edited by the amazing Natalia Rodriguez. Our in and out music is by The Pink Tiles, and our cover art is by Nicole Dodonna and was developed in collaboration with The Establishment, who also developed the sound cues. Until next week, I'm wishing you safe and happy sex lives. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.